grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're visiting with us today. We're so glad that you're here with us. And there is a friendship pad on each pew. It's near the center aisle. It's a black folder. We'd love to have you take it and fill it out and pass it down the row so we know who's here with us today and then pass it back so that other people can check out your name and greet you after the service. Uh, we're glad to have our children with us today. I just said to them, you can't see back there, can you? But they're doing their best. Um, so let's look at the announcements that are part of the life of the church. Today is our pancake breakfast over in Tankersley Hall. Started right after first service. We'll be happy to sell you a ticket right at the door. No tickets ahead of time. You can just go in and have not only pancakes and sausage, but there are a few healthy choices in there too. If you want to do yogurt and fruit and granola, you can do that instead of pancakes. Or you can do it with your pancakes, and then maybe you'll feel healthy because you're doing that. I'm not too sure. Uh, our children are having a children's musical at Christmas time. If you have a child that you think might like either a singing or a speaking part in that, you can talk to Linda White. There's information, Linda White is waving at you. There's information in here about how to contact her. If you contact her by Wednesday, she will make sure she writes a part for your child. Um, rehearsals started today, so those are continuing. You can read about that in there. Next Sunday at both 10 o'clock and then again at 11 o'clock, we're offering a seminar from Megan Sturt, who is a senior vice president at Merrill Lynch. She is going to be talking about building wealth and about estate planning and about how to be amassing wealth and saving in order to be generous, to be generous with people you love, to be generous with the church, to be generous with the world, and also about how the tax laws that are new now are affecting our giving. So that's going to be in a different place. We have a new adult education room that Kathy is just in the midst of remodeling, and that is Hills Hall. It is an upstairs room above the Rose Garden. So you have to go to the Rose Garden and take the stairs up, and it is, um, we will be there at 10 o'clock and also at 11 o'clock next Sunday, right up above the Rose Garden, in, right next to our office. Hope you join us for that. Uh, two weeks from today, there will be a congregational meeting at 9.45. So that's just a little earlier than this service. This service will start at 10, but at 9.45, we're going to have a meeting to elect our deacons and elders and other officers for this next coming term of three years. So that will be right at 9.45, two weeks from today. Also, two weeks from tomorrow, we are having a seminar on grief at the holidays. If you have lost someone you love, Oftentimes the holidays are difficult, and so this group, this gathering will give you some specific uh, tools and suggestions about how to approach the holidays in a way that you can do that differently perhaps this year. 
Three weeks from today, we are having Overflow Sunday, which is when our Life Water organization is going to come and talk about the need for water in the third world in an adult ed class at 10 o'clock. And there are interactive activities, including virtual reality goggles that you get to put on and see what it's like in a village in the midst of Africa that it's in need of water. And there'll be activities for the children right after second service, right after Sunday school that you can, as parents, can go and do with your children as part of that need for water in the third world. The flowers this morning are marking the 61st anniversary of Nancy and Howard Pink, so we congratulate them. And you will see, if you go to the pancake breakfast, you will see Howard because he is one of the cooks in their, their flipping pancakes with an apron on. So when you see one of those cooks, you can ask if he's Howard and congratulate him on his 61st anniversary when he has to work for us. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. God of grace, you have given us minds to know you, hearts to love you, and voices to sing your praise. So fill us with your spirit that we might celebrate your glory and worship you in spirit and in truth through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done. He is the Lord our God. We will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And so let us stand and praise God together. So I'm going to lead out, and you'll respond with the refrain from Psalm 118, which is, His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all. Sí. 
let us be seated. The psalmist calls us to tell the truth about ourselves to the Lord and to allow him to search us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting.
For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, hear the good news. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4. I'll be reading from verses 18 through 31. I can remember when I was in seminary and we were studying a certain part of this passage, and I turned to some of my friends and I said, I hope I never have to preach on this passage in a church. And here's the day. Amen. Never know what God's going to give you, right? So Exodus chapter 4, verse 18. Hear now God's word to us. Moses went back to his father-in-law Jethro and said to him, Please let me go back to my kindred in Egypt and see whether they are still living. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. The Lord said to Moses and Midian, 
Go back to Egypt, for all those who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses carried the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. I said to you, Let my son go that he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go. Now I will kill your firstborn son. On the way, at a place where they spent the night, the Lord met with him and tried to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Truly, you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then, she said, a bridegroom of blood by circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went, and he met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him and all the signs with which he had charged him. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the Israelites. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and performed the signs in the sight of the people. The people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had given heed to the Israelites and that he had seen their misery... They bowed down and worshipped him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the ways in which you have worked upon our lives to prepare us. To prepare us to love you and to love our neighbors. And so this morning we pray that you would Enable us to reflect upon our own lives in those ways that you have prepared us for your service to love you and to love others. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. A week ago, Tuesday, early afternoon, I headed up to Pasadena to visit with family of mine. It took me almost two hours on the freeways. You know how some of that is for some of you, right? To avoid some heavy traffic, Siri led me on a trek that took me through some very unfamiliar territory. And so after the visit with family, I looked at the traffic app on my phone, and you know what it told me? Two hours plus to get back home. And so instead of sitting on the freeway, I decided to take a tour of my old hometown, which was just a few miles away. Since my mom passed away last winter, I've been meaning to make that trip. I'd read somewhere that after you lose a parent, there's something therapeutic, something healing about heading back to your old hometown for a pilgrimage. I drove by my old house that I lived in until seventh grade. And then my grandparents' house just a block away as they took me in when I started high school. I drove by my preschool, elementary school, middle school, and high school. 
the pizza parlor where I'd often meet up with my friends every weekend. I drove by the park where I used to watch the 4th of July fireworks with my family before they got a divorce. It was that same park where I would go just to get away from it all when times were rough at home. I drove by some of my high school friends' homes. I know they've sold them since. I drove slowly by my high school girlfriend's house, (laughs) where my in-laws still live today. And then the memories, the memories just started flooding in. It was too much to take all at once. You can tell I'm still working it through. I made the turn, and I pulled up in front of my old home church. I put the car in park, I turned off the engine, and I just rolled down the window. And I stared at that church. It was that church where I was baptized as an infant, where I met Jesus when I was in high school. It's where I became a member when I was in college, and that same church took me under care when I started getting interested in becoming a pastor. It was at that church in 1990 where I married the most beautiful woman, in the whole wide world. And it was that church where they invited me back to preach when I got my doctorate in the year 2000. Do you know what it's like to go back to your home church and preach in front of all of those people? (laughs) So all these memories are flooding into my mind. And you want to know what I did next? I found myself spontaneously worshiping God. All of those memories, instead of seeing them as discombobulated, unrelated, random events, they were all being redefined under the purpose and sovereign love of God. All of it, the beautiful, the good, the bad, and the ugly, they had led me to that place to walk into that church one winter Sunday morning to sit way in the back, and to slowly but surely become a part of a spiritual family, just like we have here today. To build new and encouraging friendships, to hear the Word of God, promises from Christ that would never be broken. And most importantly, to be ushered through worship into the presence of Jesus. This Jesus who would never leave me nor forsake me, who would always be by my side, taking my hand to go with God into each chapter of my life. And so there I sat in my car, both realizing and giving thanks. Realizing that God had been doing a work of preparation in my life all my life long, while giving thanks that His work of preparation continues even to this day. Now, I suspect you've all had moments like that in your own life. Maybe it was when you were up in the mountains or out in the desert. Maybe you were driving through your old hometown. Maybe it was at the beach as you saw the sun come up or the sun come down. But you took some time to reflect, to slow down from all of the demands, to quiet all of the outside voices. Isn't that difficult today? Just to quiet all the voices and the chatter to get away from your routine. And you were able, God gave you that time of perspective 
to look back on your past and your present. Maybe He even gave you a slight glimpse into your future. And you realize that God's work and continued work of preparation continues even to this day. Now, I suspect that's what happened to Moses as he looked back at the events of this passage. Events at first that may have seemed unrelated, discombobulated, even one of them that seems a little random. (laughs) But as we read these in the context of Moses' whole life, we can see how they interconnect for Moses. People and events working as a connected narrative used by God to prepare Moses to what? To lead. And not only to lead, but to live life the way that he was created to live. We were created and Moses was created to live a life with God. That's why all the other things that we've tried to do to fill ourselves have not worked. Because going with God is the way that we have been created to live. So yes, God is preparing Moses to go with him, to trust him in the next chapter of his life. A chapter that involved moving him from the life of a shepherd. He's been a shepherd out in the wilderness for years, dealing with sheep, and now he's being called to live the life of a national leader. From sheep to what some theologians think were 600,000 to a million people back in Egypt that needed to be set free. That is a huge leap to make. And it's a nation that first would have to be delivered out of exile from a very powerful country and a very powerful leader. That's a huge responsibility, one that would demand much preparation by God. So we would be right in asking, how does God prepare someone for such a responsibility? Now first, God prepared Moses by bringing certain people into his life to walk alongside him and challenge him. We see three here in this passage, don't we? There's Jethro, his father-in-law. Someone who Moses respected and looked up to. There is no doubt in my mind that God used Jethro to mentor Moses. And clearly, Moses honored Jethro. Instead of just leaving for Egypt, which Moses could have done with his family, we're told he went back to Jethro. Why? He goes back to Jethro because he wants his approval. He needs the blessing of his mentor. And did you hear what Jethro said? Go in peace. Listen to those words again. Don't you love those words? Go in peace. Those words are freeing. Just think about those words. Those words are freeing. Those words are empowering words. Empowering words to take on the next chapter of his life. He needed those words from a man that he trusted. A man who had been a father figure to him. And so God knew Moses needed to hear from him those words, go in peace. And then we see Zipporah, his wife, his partner in life. Clearly, I think we would agree she was wiser than Moses, wouldn't we? 
He couldn't have taken that journey without her. He wouldn't have been alive without her. God used Zipporah to remind Moses of the demand of the covenant of circumcision for his son. Now think about this. Moses, the future leader of Israel, has not circumcised his son. Why? I've thought about this all week. Many of you in the Bible study with Beth thought about this all week. Did he forget? Was he neglectful? Was he worried what his Midianite wife might think of this peculiar practice? Or was he riding the fence of his Hebrew heritage and his Egyptian upbringing? Whatever the case, Zipporah steps into the gap between God and Moses, and she reconciles her husband with God. She reconciles him and rescues him so that he can continue to go with God to the next chapter of his life. Wives, remind your husbands of that often. Don't you do that for them. Now Aaron, his brother, and I would make the case, his best friend, God provided Aaron as a confidant to him. Moses needed someone he could confide in, rely upon, pray with, who would challenge him. Beware of leaders that do not have people like that around them. Pastors need covenant groups. Leaders need wise advisors to surround them. We can't go it alone. And God is, and He's doing the same with us. Think of the people that God has brought into your life to challenge you in your relationship with God. They've pushed you, they've nudged you to take your relationship with God to the next level, to take some risks. One of the people who has been like this for me is John McCaig. I know I bring him up a lot, but John's pastor, Tribuco Presbyterian Church, we have been friends, close and best friends since 1988. And we went on a trip together to Israel in 1988 with 30 other pastors. Believe it or not, this trip only lasted a week, and they had it packed with so many things for us to do. And on Friday, we had event after event and site after site to go to, and it's getting towards the later afternoon, and we are at the Pool of Bethesda. That's the place where Jesus walked up to, and there were all these paralyzed people around the pool. And the pastor, the lead pastor of us 30, is telling us the story again. And you remember that Jesus said to that man who was paralyzed, do you want to be healed? I always chuckle at that. Of course I want to be healed. And the lead pastor said to us, I've got a feeling that all of you pastors have an area in your life where you need to be healed. Maybe something happened at your church or in your family. Maybe it's something physical, emotional, or spiritual. You need to be healed. And so we stayed at that site for some time, talking and praying. And then this lead pastor looked at his watch and he said, I'm sorry, everybody, but we let time get away from us. The Sabbath is soon approaching. We have big plans for tonight, so we have to get on the bus to head back to the hotel. And I know many of you wanted to see the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, but it's not going to happen on this trip. John and I looked at each other and I said, John, we've been talking about going to that site for the last year. That's one of our top priorities, and now we have to get on the bus. And so John looked at me and he goes like this, 
I go, what? We're going. What do you mean we're going? The bus is about to leave. We're going to have to walk. We're going. And he took off running. And I figured, well, I better go too. So I'm running after John. And we are running through the stations of the cross. We are actually running the Via Della Rosa. I don't know if it's ever been done before. And we got to the Church of Holy Sepulchre where tradition has it, where Jesus was crucified and the tomb was over here. And right when we walked in, the wonder. How many of you have been to Church of Holy Sepulchre? Just walking in there, wasn't it incredible? And we just walked in and I turned to John and I said, thank you. Thank you for being such a good friend and challenging me. And then we walked up to where the tomb is and the tomb had this long line and John said, there's no way that we're ever going to get inside that tomb because we do have to leave. And I looked at John and I went like this. <laughs> we're not going to make it inside, but we can go to the side of it where no one is. We're going to put our hands up against that tomb, our arms around each other's shoulders, and we're going to pray about that area of healing that we each thought about back at the pool. I'll never forget that moment. That's why God gives us people like that. Second, we see that God prepared Moses with his word. On his own, Moses had made his share of mistakes, hadn't he? And when he relied upon his own gut, it seemed to always be disastrous. But if Moses was going to lead a nation, he was going to need direction. And if Moses was going to lead a life of following God, he was going to need guidance, not guidance from his gut, not guidance from his own know-how. He needed guidance from the outside. God spoke his word to Moses. Words, you'll notice, which were infused with a promise from God. A promise to empower Moses to step out in faith. Hear it once again. Moses, go, go to Egypt. For you will, you will perform wonders for which I have given you my power. That is a promise from God that will be guaranteed. Guaranteed that you will not fail as you step out in faith. What more would you need than that? And then third, God prepared Moses with his presence. This time Moses would not be alone. He's in a relationship with God. And God not only revealed his presence to Moses by surrounding him with those people and by giving his word with a promise, but now God is saying, I'm going to give you my very presence. If God had called Israel his firstborn son, then surely he would be alongside their leader speaking and listening and strengthening and guiding and leading, God would be forever by His side. This morning as I was reading Scripture, as I woke up early today, I was reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and Paul says that all of God's promises are yes for us in Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he says that God's presence is with us by his Holy Spirit indwelling us as a guarantee of life and of God's inheritance with us. That presence is with us too as God prepares us. Because of all the preparation, Moses received the confidence of the people to be their leader. They believed he had been sent by God. They trusted 
that God came to deliver him, to deliver them. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob cared about them, loved them, had a plan for them. And I suspect it was all too much for them to take in at once. So what did those leaders do with Moses, with Aaron? They spontaneously worshipped God. What might God be preparing in you? What might God be preparing you for? Maybe as you reflect, you can see how God has placed certain people around you, brought certain events into your life to challenge you, to make you ready for something. Maybe there's a word or a passage, a verse, or a story from Scripture that God keeps bringing into your mind to nudge you, to nudge you towards something. Maybe you're sensing God's presence in a powerful way. His Spirit is leading you to an interest, a ministry, a need in your family, your neighborhood, our community, our church. Last February, Gareth took several of us up to La Cunada Presbyterian Church to take a look at a ministry they have. He took Gail, our children's director, and our preschool director, and he took me. And we drove up to La Cunada Presbyterian Church to see their parent ed program. They have over 500, isn't it? 500 parents coming through a week for their parent ed program at that church. And so we walked around with their director, Ann Burling, and we went to each classroom. They had a classroom of parents of infants and preschoolers and elementary and middle school and high school and college. It was incredible what was happening there. So we got in the car to come home, and I think you knew this. I was starting to think about things a little bit silently, a little bit out loud. And I knew that God was starting to nudge with His Word. God's presence was starting to assure that this is something that could happen here. And so this January, we're going to try a pilot program of providing a parent ed program for parents of preschoolers. Remember when your kids were in preschool? You were just winging it, just trying to make it happen. Many of us did take parent classes and some of us didn't, but they need, especially in this day and age, classes to know how to parent their kids. And so we're going to give that a try this January and we'll see what happens. And I talked to Ann and she's going to come down here and teach our first class and they're going to send their teachers down here for the next four Monday nights to teach those classes. Who knows what's going to happen? But God's presence continuing to challenge and to prepare. So just think of the preparation that God has been doing in our church. In every age, every decade, every chapter, through people, through His Word, and by His presence. I think it's just too much to take in all at once. How can you not worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who continues to prepare us as a church and as individuals even today. Amen? Amen. Gareth. Let us pray together. And so, God, we are grateful that you are with us today, but that you have been with us through the days. And all the things that you have brought 
to bear in our lives all the people, the events that have brought us closer to you and to your purpose. Closer to see Jesus more clearly. Thank you. For many of us are worshiping today because you have brought us here. Help us to have time to be quiet and to think about the ways that you have touched our lives in the past. And to anticipate how you will continue to touch our lives for the future. Lord, help us to be conscious of your presence and your word, your promises. And help us to be people of prayer. That we might pray for this church, our pastor nominating committee. We might pray for our country. Help us to see evidence that you are present even in the craziness of our everyday country life. Help us to see your presence in the midst of a world that's continually conflicted and has enmity between nations. Help us to see your presence in the midst of a creation that you brought to us that is beautiful and awesome that we've hurt. Help us to see your presence among the people that we don't even know around us, but that you love. And so, Lord, teach us to pray as we remember the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you now to stand and let us affirm our faith with the words that we have from Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. The Lord has promised to be with us when we pass through the waters and through the rivers, we shall not be overwhelmed. When we walk through fire, we shall not be burned. We will trust in you, for you are the Lord our God. The Holy One of Israel is our Savior. Please be seated. God is with us in all things. Part of the reflection back is how we see God with us in the midst of our economy and our finances. Where do you see the sovereignty of God that has preserved you and held you close and lifted you up financially? And as you think about that, think about how you can worship, how you can give how you can lift others up. Let us give of what God has given to us. Amen.
here's the verse that's been speaking to me from Isaiah. Isaiah 43. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not see it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Letting go of every single dream. I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wandering never changes what you see. I've tried to win this war. I hands are weary, I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight, no matter what I face, you're by my side. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. Sweet to trust in Jesus, just.
and you are trustworthy, gracious God. And so we lean into you, for you have entrusted us with the economy and the finances to be responsible for your ministries in the world. Help us to trust you in giving. And so we give of who we are and what we have, that Jesus might be known throughout the world. Amen. Prayer ministry. As the service ends, I was turning on the mic, but thank you for the reminder. I just said I have, I've now learned that this is what I have to do at the end of the service, and I will not forget it. I forgot it. As the service ends, if you would like someone to pray for you or with you, there are some prayer ministers who will be right over here by the baptismal font, and they would love to pray for you. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, that you would overflow with hope by the power of His Spirit through Jesus Christ, who every day is preparing us that we might love him more and serve him more. God bless you this week. Amen.